0: Hello, friends! It is your DM, Patrick Perini, and if you're listening to this, you are, in fact, my actual real friend and not in a parasocial way. I wanted to catch you before you started the episode because I wanted to explain what this episode was. This is actually a recording of our August episode of Rebalancing, the talkback livestream that we do for our patrons, where we answer sort of questions about the show, questions that you, you know, kind of our beloved audience have, you get to know the, the cast and crew that, that make up this show. And we have two reasons why we wanted to air this episode to everyone and not just our patrons. Uh, the first of which is because there are two new faces who are on this episode of Rebalancing. Uh, Tyler Clausen, who is our voice of the audience supreme and taking over as MC of Rebalancing. And Sayer Roberts. You already know Sayer's work. Sayer is our resident bard and has composed our theme song as well as many of the original pieces that you find throughout the show. The second reason is that we are onboarding a new editor, which we're extremely excited about because it's going to allow us to do a lot more outside of just the raw editing of the show. Uh, You may have noticed, if you're active in our Discord, that Emily has started a series of spooky contests that we're going to be hosting throughout the month of October, Uh, four of them, one a week, each culminating in a winner, and those winners will be able to participate in a Halloween one-shot that Craig is running. Uh, So if you're super excited about that, you can go over to discord.unbalancedencounters.com and jump right in. But getting an editor on board is really going to free us up to do more fun stuff like that. So, we are extremely excited uh, for both of these reasons to be able to share this episode of Rebalancing with you, get a chance for you to get to know us a little bit better. And if you like this, if you like what you hear, uh, again, you can go to patreoncom unbalanced encounters. Uh, join at almost any level, you're going to be able to get, uh, you know, sort of access to Rebalancing. But if you join at, you know, kind of those higher levels, you are going to be able to get access to Rebalancing live. Uh, so, uh, head on over there now, if you can, if you can't, and you're just excited to be able to hang with us and participate, head over to discord.unbalancedencounters.com, and if you're not in either of those things, we hope you enjoy this episode anyways, a little bit of a get-to-know-us, and, uh, as we sort of kick off our next major arc, arc two, they'll need a crane. All right, I love you, bye. Hello, one and all, and welcome to another episode of Unbalanced Encounters Rebalancing, the show where we try to answer your questions about the show and also apparently about donuts and ice cream and other bullshit that we like to consume and things that we like to talk about and do uh i am uh not actually your host patrick perini uh weirdly enough (laughs) tonight um (laughs) And I'm extremely excited about that. So I kind of want to go around. Uh, we're going to be doing things on this show a little differently going forward. Uh, you are you probably recognize a couple of new faces if you've uh, if you've seen this show uh, before. Um, you know, first and foremost, I would like to introduce Tyler Clawson, uh, a member of our community, a listener of Rally, and uh, newly our MC for rebalancing. Uh, say hi, Tyler. Hi, Tyler. Oh, man, I
1: I wasn't (laughs) going to ruin that. Um, Hey, everybody, I'm Tyler Clausen. I have uh, been hanging out, listening to the show for, I mean, since it first came out, been super excited about it. And uh, I've slowly wormed my way into uh, the crew here and convinced them that I'm professional enough to put on a live stream. So, um, (laughs) yeah. Yeah,
2: <laughs> um, you got some great lamps.
1: Uh, yeah, I, I'm a lamp connoisseur. I've got okay. uh, mm-hmm. that one. You can't quite see them, but I've got like fairy lamps on either side of my tavern Ooh, sign that's here. Cool. Very, good. Um, that's very good. So you know, I'm I've, I'm a lamp guy. That's what they call me
0: here, Tyler <laughs> the Lamp Guy. Tyler the Lamp Guy. That's gonna. I mean, that's a. So uh, honest to honest to God, that's a new NPC. I'm writing it down.
1: Whenever uh, you want me to like join, I'll play that character. I'll just like <laughs> pass through. Yeah, I love want it. some lamps.
0: I've got <laughs> lamps for you. I love it. Opens that's, a trench
3: coat and there's just like lamps.
0: Yep. Yeah. <laughs> we're gonna introduce. We're gonna introduce genies into this world, but they're all gonna be like very, very thematically different depending on the style of lamp. Just like yes. a like a like a like a Victorian floor lamp genie is gonna <laughs> anyway. Uh, so yes. Tyler, thank you very much uh, uh, for for joining and, and 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 you know kind of helping us out this way. I'm super excited uh, to sort of see where this goes. Um, I if you haven't checked this already, or Kami just put a truly distressing question in the Discord, oh, uh, and I think that we should circle back to that at some where, point.
1: Where's this at? Because um, uh, I've been looking, I can't find the
0: fantastic. Spot. Uh, I will here. Let me. Um, I will ping you in again. Uh, there is the thread for that. You let me know if you can't find that. Um, in addition to Tyler, there's a, there's another new face uh, here. Obviously, we have you know kind of the illustrious Cinder Block Sally and Emily Graymore uh, joining us from the main cast. Uh, Cinder, the voice of Guard, Emily, the voice of Harissa, and the voice. Of music, of Sayer Roberts is our composer. Sayer Roberts uh, has composed almost all of the music that you have heard in the show that has been part of the original soundtrack. If you're a patron, you have access to all of the original pieces, uh, and we are very fortunate to have Sayer on uh, you know this episode mm-hmm. of Rebalancing
4: today. Uh, say hi, Sayer. Hi, I've drawn myself out from lurking in the shadows of the wilds and shown my <laughs> face.
0: We greatly appreciate it. And by blurking in the shadows, he means being literally under stage lights. Uh, Sayer was just performing in, uh, like, was the lead in a very large show for, like, the entire summer. I don't know why you're underselling it. Uh, But we are glad to have you uh, to hang out and to talk about sort of the show and the process. Uh, So if you are watching currently, uh, please, you know, kind of feel free to ask us questions about the compositional stuff, Sayer's process, the experience, the soundscape of of rally uh in addition to anything else that you would like uh to to throw in um but that's my little spiel uh because i can't leave well enough alone um and uh with that i'm i'm gonna shut the fuck up for a little bit because uh y'all have more interesting things to say than i do so uh yeah Tyler, if you want to take it away. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to the show.
1: Uh, I'm really, really excited to kind of be here and, and ask questions, and I'm super excited to uh, be starting this while Sayer's here. So, Sayer,
4: hey, how's it going, man? Good. It's really cool to be here, and I, I, I feel really actually honored to, to be here because um, all of you do so much work. Putting this together and creating everything, and you've created such brilliant new thing for people to glom onto on the internet. And I mean, particularly TikTok. That's how a lot of us came together. That's how I met all of you. I think it's Um, how we all met each other, actually. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, the fact that I get to to be here and sort of uh, piggyback on the amazing success of what you all are doing is pretty special. So I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, I feel
1: like I, I feel like I'm in the same boat of like, yeah, I'm just letting them do all the work, and then I get to do it. <laughs> so Sayer and I, we're just gonna take over. It's gonna be our show. You guys just hang out.
2: <laughs> should, I, should I go get another beer?
4: <laughs> I mean, maybe I if you want, true. yeah, yeah. D- d- and dunk some chocolate bad. ice cream I in it. About it.
0: Yeah,
2: tell us yeah. how that feels honestly
0: a, Sweet, a, a chocolate ice cream in a coffee stout sounds like it would fucking 100 yeah like not oh, gonna yeah. lie yeah <laughs> are we going back to this ready to just go back to right, <laughs> the chocolate, <laughs> and chocolate ice. what good. if
3: i started ah, and uh
0: last but not least for the evening uh we have from our main cast the voice of isaac axe uh say hi craig craig are you here Um,
5: he is the man (laughs)
6: hi i'm craig also Uh, Isaac isaac i'm very bright hold on
0: yes you are uh that's probably not a light thing that's 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 just me giving craig a compliment um look at that look
4: at that smoldering uh
0: craig uh obviously uh you had not had the opportunity uh to to catch the intro here um but uh we have obviously sayer with us uh sayer composed all the music and and tyler is taking over his mc for this show and uh he was just in the process of kind of kicking us uh kicking us off uh yeah. to talk about uh, p- apparently something about how hot porky is i don't know maybe i'm jumping the gun but uh... yeah i mean i,
1: I don't <laughs> worry uh we're gonna talk about how hot porky is or is it accidentally gonna be um but <laughs> I, I did want to get back to sayer and just kind of dive into um, kind of the beginnings of, of how this all started now. Um, Patrick had mentioned that you were in a play and I want to just stop everything and talk about that a little bit, a little bit, um, Me?
0: uh, no, say oh, Okay. I, was
5: like,
0: <laughs> I, I no, have another question for you, Greg, don't worry. I got stuff for you. <laughs> you've been sleepwalking and you accidentally starred in Beetlejuice on Broadway. I don't know if you've seen any of the TikToks, but you know.
4: <laughs> <Rest in> peace.
0: <laughs> so, so tell me, uh, tell me about uh,
1: the production you were in, Sarah.
4: Uh, it was in Vancouver, BC. I'm Canadian. I live in Toronto, but I was in Vancouver. It was a production of Kinky Boots, the Broadway musical. Nice. Um, I th- that that is who I am in my everyday life. I'm a professional actor. I've done this for over ten years or so, and it's uh, that's. What I do mostly, and then I've transitioned because of the pandemic, I've transitioned into uh, composing. Really, uh, you know, the pandemic shut down all live performance; mm-hmm. as it shut down many things. So I had all of this dormant creative juice that needed to go somewhere. And I was playing a lot of D and D online with my friends uh, and listening to a lot of the Adventure Zone, and uh, that kind of inspired me to start. Composing some of my own stuff for the campaigns I was part of. And then uh, it just sort of spiraled from there as I I realized, oh, I really like doing this. Let's do it more.
1: So uh, did you, had you, you hadn't played D&D before? You just kind of jumped into it when the pandemic happened, when uh, you jumped into the online as far as like the theatrics and stuff go?
4: No, I I actually played D&D back when I was in high school, millennia ago, um, and then took a lot of time off from it. It just never came around. Then, oddly enough, in 2019, I was doing a a production of of a musical where several of the cast members got together and we all started playing a campaign together. And then we all went our separate ways across the country, but we continued to play over Zoom. So then when the pandemic started, just started doing that more and more frequently. So it was kind of this great infrastructure that we built for connecting and being creative and telling stories together that was already there. That's awesome.
5: Nice.
1: So did <clears throat> did your uh musical abilities, your talent there, your passion, did that play into D&D at all before you started doing music for the show?
4: yeah I mean I uh, my favorite genre of music has always been movie soundtracks and video game scores mm-hmm. um, so aside from just you know the fact that I am a musician in my regular life doing musical theater, my brain works with music listening to soundtracks and heightening storytelling through underscore music like that. Um, I've never been a lyricist. I've never written songs that have uh, lyrics and singing in them. That's not how my brain works. I listen to a scene. I I see action happening and it doesn't turn into lyrics about it. It turns into, ah, the string section is happening here, or there's horns here or a plucked pizzicato over here. That's how my brain works. Um, And when I started hobbling together some really early Garage Band stuff for my campaign I started to realize, wow, I've actually been secretly practicing this for my entire life oh, yeah. gathering all of this information from John Williams and Hans Zimmer and James Newton Howard and now I'm applying it here <clears throat> and it kind of just flowed uh, relatively easily. The, the, the technical aspect was difficult for me because I'm not a tech person the ideas were coming in faster than I could deal with them. Mm. So, uh, I had, uh, I had plenty of time in my hands to figure it all out.
1: Nice. Yeah. Who would you say real quick is your favorite composer? Oh, I knew you
4: were going to ask that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's the question. It's the question. Everybody always asks, who is your favorite influence? And then it's just like, God damn it. I, I have to answer now.
4: Um, (laughs) When it comes to movies, particularly, I do love Hans Zimmer and um, mentioned James Newton Howard. Um, I mean, they're all just so incredible. Michael Giacchino, do no wrong. Sayer, but- how how are you going to sit there and not mention
0: our boy? How are you going to sit there and not mention the banana crunching
4: maestro griffin McElroy. (laughs) oh but that's very true that's very true actually it was listening through the adventure zone particularly when they got to uh the suffering game and he wrote the theme for wonderland that's when i think the music really kicked off in the adventure zone like Griffin is working on oh, hard I don't for that. this show. I feel
1: like I feel like it was back at Fantasy Costco. I mean that's true. That's true. Correct,
4: sir.
0: Um I, but yeah, that was I mean, really that... the turning point for the franchise, frankly.
4: Fantasy Costco, where all it your dreams come. Get
0: stuck in my that head. We, every all... Time. <laughs> we all wanted to do it, but we're all like waiting for the professional performer <laughs> to do it so we don't make asses of ourselves. <laughs>
4: But, that, but that, that is apropos that you bring that up, uh, Patrick, because you and I connected over that early, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because you also create your own music, wonderful music for, for your own stuff, which I would love to hear in rally because i've heard some of the stuff that you've created for Listen. other projects and it's brilliant yeah especially now
1: that you've put them on the spot
4: we all have to hear it at some <laughs> point.
2: excuse me play it right now play it right now
0: <laughs> i'm not gonna do that because i haven't read anything for rally uh i i, I so yeah i i actually do um uh i i i followed a pretty similar arc uh to to say i don't i didn't get anywhere near this sort of technical ability in part because i hadn't lived in music you know kind of as, as long as he did um but yeah there was i mean th- that vacuum of the pandemic i think was a great opportunity for people to explore a lot of like new modes of expression and like have finally get an opportunity to connect with like hey i've been living in this headspace for a long time right like my brain works very very similarly as i'm sure everyone because i edit the podcast right so like i'm sure you guys know that like i i live in like sound cues and like scoring right um and and so I had a chance to to kind of learn that. And uh when sarah and I got the chance to to meet for the first time, we had this like eerily similar pandemic experience. And then we were like, but wait, Griffin McElroy though? Uh <laughs> I will say, I will say, where I came in with Griffin McElroy was um uh uh was Amnesty. And I grew up uh just outside the Hila oh. National Forest, and so there was just mm. this like i heard that theme song for the first time and like lost my goddamn mind so uh, good I'm yes good.
1: i uh just a, a quick shout out to the show um the monster hour oh okay um, oh yeah one of the players is the composer for that show and he knocks it out of the park um, nice. like on on par with griffin to be completely honest that's awesome uh, so now that I've talked about a different show, um, okay, I guess I'm looking about... it up is what I'm doing. We're all yeah, we're all just like, wait, hold on. Straight <laughs> straight to Google. Hour. I I, I, like I love Unbalanced Encounters. Do not get me wrong in any way. I love this show probably more than anything I've heard except for the Monster Hour. The Monster Hour has Ooh. been around for a couple of years. It's the only yes. show that at like the that. moment it's coming. It's gonna change, but at the moment it's the only show that I've helped out on Patreon
0: all right <laughs> that's legit
1: that's fantastic um, so uh getting back to it Sarah, um you you uh you started doing music did you were you doing music for your campaigns like for your your home games and stuff like that or was yeah it,
4: it- It was purely for the campaign that I was playing in, because before that, I had just been compiling a YouTube playlist of a bunch of music that I liked to play in the background while we were playing. As Um, do we all. And it honestly comprised mostly of all of the music from the Fable games. Yeah, I'll also say that Russell Shaw, uh, Danny Elfman composed the main theme, but Russell Shaw composed all of the incidental music. Yeah, Russell Shaw is uh, for me like the benchmark of fantasy ambience. He just he he nailed it so well. So that's kind of where I took a lot of my inspiration from too, because that's what I was playing with my campaign. I
1: mean, what my wife and I are constantly talking. Every time we hear a certain style of music with kind of the the, uh I don't know what it is it's almost like a flute or something and it's you know that kind of whimsical fantasy sound mm. we're like we're like where why did they steal this music from fable you know like, <laughs> and, and it has nothing to do with it we're like this fable music so it, it's very it, iconic right. yeah. it's like it's so distinctive it sets this bar for other for other composers to match
4: yeah, yeah. in the beginning I actually I wrote this one theme I was like, this is a little too close to fable. But uh, <laughs> it's, it's how, I, how I'm cutting my teeth on, on getting to know how to do this yeah. myself. Hell yeah. Um, but but yeah, it started out just composing for my own campaign. Then I composed a big theme song for us, because I thought, why the hell not? Let's have fun. And, and then I started to learn more about using Logic Pro instead of using GarageBand. And so I had access to slightly better sounds. So I did a better version of the theme then i just put it out there on social media saying hey i like doing this if anyone wants me to post some stuff for them i I will and then i had several people write to me and say yeah how much do you charge and i was like i wasn't even thinking of charging (laughs) money for this but now that you mention it i am poor (laughs) Um, oh yes charging Then, and then I then I realized, okay, yeah, I, I really like doing this. I seem to have a bit of a knack for it. So let's invest in buying some better equipment and actual sound libraries and Spitfire Audio. Shout out to them. They're my main guys. Uh, and and I just started freelancing. And then out of the blue, I mean, I, I knew somebody who's part of the company, but um, BP Musical, so Off the Beaten Path, were on TikTok and have this whole, like, compendium of sort of choose your own adventure fantasy D and D musicals. Oh. They also opened up this faction for just composing fantasy commissions, mm. and so I was approached by them saying, "Hey, do you want to join our roster of composers?" So now that's that's where I do all of m- most of my work these days is through them, and it's it's kind of just spiraled into um, something way too cool and definitely more than I imagined. I. I did, miss, two years ago.
1: I did miss the name of who you said that was, and I want to make a note of it.
4: Who Who is uh, it? It's uh, Off the Beaten Path, and the website is obpmusical.com. And on YouTube, you can find so many of their, um, like we're doing, uh, live stream musicals where they have a full script and somebody's written the music and they've pre-recorded all of the singing um, that's one side of their company, and kind of choose your own adventure. So after that musical, you can go, okay, I want this character to go over here. So I choose this video. I uh, know this video. Um, but but through that, they then got a, lot, a bunch of people writing to them saying, this is cool. Can you do a theme for my D&D campaign? So they opened up this whole separate side of the company just for fantasy musical commissions. Wow,
1: that is really cool. <laughs> like, yeah, and and talk about like, um, like businesses are when you open when you start a business, you have to kind of be ready to bend with the will of what's happening in the world. And it sounds like they're they're making that happen, where they're like, yeah, we're just gonna make. You know, do you remember the VHS style choose your own adventure? We're gonna do that, but on the internet, and then it just became something completely different. Uh, I think that's awesome. It's really cool that you were able to kind of connect with them just because you were you were gonna do it anyway, right? You were gonna have fun with
4: what you're doing. But this has structure now to it. And I'm not gonna jump the shark here, but they've been approached we've been approached by Wizard of the Coast.
3: What? That's, that's, that's really exciting. Yeah.
0: That's 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 sick. That's really cool. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who knows and where I, it's going to lead. But I'm I'm over here being very excited about that because there are quite a number of people in the off the beaten path musical. Uh, company that listen to our show so nice uh
5: yeah Yeah, their 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 founder
0: their founder and i have been Mm -hmm. mutuals for a long time and he listens uh he listens to the show or has (laughs) listened to the show um and a couple of other people do so they're there it's a very small world i'm very excited for your for the success of that that's going to be very very fucking cool That's
1: really cool. Um, so tell me about the, the process, the journey that it was to start writing music for Rally.
2: Oh, Sarah, we lost uh, your audio. Come back.
3: Oh, you're yeah, back. There we go. Now come you're back. back. It's, it's hey, fine. I we
2: can just look it. at
0: them for the rest of the hour that we have them. It's, it's cool. That's definitely going to make good entertainment for sure, yeah.
4: for
6: sure. Yeah. It's, a win. it's a win-win.
0: Yeah. Yes.
4: Yeah. yes. 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 Uh, so it, it basically all just started with uh, when Patrick and Emily told me that, basically, imagine Princess Mononoke as a D and D campaign. That was the the one sentence pitch, and I went, "All right, all right. I'll just I'll just lean into Joe Hisaishi and." and that that's honestly i just went and watched princess mononoke for the 50th time after (laughs) having that conversation with them and it it wasn't too hard to come up with the general sound after that because all of those all of those films they're so brilliant um but princess mononoke in particular has a very particular Soundscape to it, and mm-hmm. and then Patrick sent me some different videos uh, or different songs of this is kind of the style of the main theme that I want, and we went back and forth talking about okay, what is what is a a lumber town sound like? What's what's the feel? What's the cadence mm-hmm. of it all? And it it came surprisingly quickly. Actually, it was yeah. It, I think it, we only worked on there the theme to be for, plucked like, out of the ether. Weeks?
0: Yeah. yeah. And and one of those weeks was just like us trying to wrangle all of the cast to give us like grunts for the the vocal <laughs> yeah. effect, <It's>, right? Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So fun fact: it, all the hoos that you hear, that's all the cast doing those. Nice. Yep.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, a quick little shout out to um, the last episode, I believe it was, where you guys had you you had everybody like clapping and cheering or something and i you oh, yeah. hear all of your guys' voices i was <laughs> like i love i love that i love when you get the cast to be like the npcs to be a part of the world i i thought that was cool so a little shout out to uh you know the the crew there good job guys
0: yeah um Lo- love getting an opportunity to like put little sound things like that into the mm-hmm. show uh and especially into the music because it's just like it really like i don't know every time you hear it you're like oh yeah like i can i can i can hear like isaac in that right and yeah. that's really gratifying i don't know
1: did you do that for uh <laughs> did you do that for the blood tree um, so the, for, all,
6: for the
2: love of god the blood tree was uh, all me.
6: Patrick loved doing the blood tree
2: a <laughs> lot. Yeah we definitely need to have a lot more blood tree we need more as yeah. Yeah. that's that that what I Pat loved, kept that saying Pat was in, like I don't so like, know about you guys but money, blood tree
3: like, the best weeks of his life it was great more.
0: it was more. so much fun yeah. uh, I I did not the blood tree was was a, a blast because I did not realize at the time how difficult it was to dub over incidentals and like uh like accidentals right like so like it you know when when you're speaking the little stutters the ums the uhs i didn't over edit for those and so i found myself doing them in like nine accents and like trying to be very specific (laughs) i've learned a lot of lessons on how not to do that uh but it was it was everyone in the cast was like hey i want to be part of the blood tree i want to be part of the blood tree and i'm on my like 80th hour of trying to figure out how to get this thing to work and i'm like you don't want to be part of this round of the blood tree like let me find easier lines for you to slot into in the future because good god
3: i I tried a couple of them and trying to keep up with patrick's improvised cadence at the time is it was very very (laughs) challenging um so he knew what he was doing kind of uh, <laughs> it's
1: really simple all you have to do is have the blood tree go you know it's it's talking and blah 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 and then go Ugh. all right i'm tired of that all right i'm gonna
0: talk like this <laughs> and then you just your own voice, right super easy that's some shit i could have porky pull for sure for sure for sure <laughs> maybe not Break so much the full blood full tree <laughs> um But yeah, the uh, so the blood tree, the blood tree is all me, but it is also uh, like it's me about 10 times. Uh, So I hopefully we'll get better at that as we go.
6: I Um, have a theory. Yeah, what's your theory? Oh, yeah. My theory is that out of all the Elder Gods. Mm-hmm. Like, all the other Elder Gods go, oh, the blood tree. Yeah, they're, they're just so dramatic. Like, <laughs> you know, they, they don't need to use all those voices when they talk to you.
0: It's actually just a bit they do that they... Calm like, oh, really
3: down, no, like. Steve.
0: Calm
3: oh, yeah. down. No. The... Oh, God.
0: Uh, yeah, that seems about right. That seems about right. <laughs> yep. Is that canon now? That might be canon now.
3: Yeah, they all just <laughs> mutter around the cooler, talking about him behind his bet. Yeah.
1: Um, so, Sarah, I was I was gonna ask um, as far as uh, what you would you were talking about, like you're thinking about what the the lumber the mill kind of town sounds like. Um, what were the elements that you're most excited about this this main song for for Rally? What's something that you've put into it that you're like, yeah, this is this is the cool thing.
4: Um. I think that it's a mixture of several different things. So it starts off kind of ethereal with a little bit more of the Miyazaki vibe because I was trying to just create more of a soundscape there. I wasn't trying to express too much of a theme because I knew Patrick was going to be doing dub over top of that, and it was going to be used for the intros for all of the episodes. So it was cool to play with just that side of creating a soundscape and then we we talked about having that sort of final sting right as the the final line of the intro happens and then launching Mm -hmm. into the main theme again adventure zone has done that so well many shows do that really really well yeah um but the the amnesty theme was sort of the template for that of that that final sting and then launching into the main theme so once once we started talking solely about the main theme, I think early on, I knew that having some kind of grunts or something was how I wanted to anchor it all. Because this is a town where it's all about manual labor. And you want to give the audience a very clear image of the world they're stepping into and... Yeah. Who the people are, and so the fact that we could actually include the cast members as well was was just a a cool gimmick, but but it also functionally worked really well because all these characters work in this town, and this might be a a literal sound that you hear. Mm. And then I had just bought a, a new sound sample pack of a bunch of percussion that was played on sticks and twigs and roots like literal pieces of junk from the forest and craig is freaking out right now (laughs) i I, I have this amazing library that i can use do you do you want to use this for the percussion in it and patrick was like hell yeah Mm -hmm. and and that that really set the baseline of like okay this is this is a very earthy feel We've had etherealness before, and now we're getting into, like, the earthy groundedness of what this town is about. You get the grunts, you get all the twigs and the sticks for the percussion, and, and instruments that people would actually play. So there's also um, human voices providing the chord structures underneath, and then the main melody is played on a violin, and uh, I think it's an auto harp. So it's instruments that people would have in town. Mm-hmm. So I tried to keep it all very realistic to what would be going on. And who knows? Maybe in the future, if if the party goes to some grand, huge city, maybe the theme would change to a, a, a big, grand you know you're lord given of the rings me style ideas. piece there so. you're giving
0: yeah, me ideas mm-hmm. you're giving me oh this is dangerous this is <laughs> dangerous for us to go to the city well guys
6: looks like
5: <laughs>
3: so you have just given yourself all work, to this you know? to yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to the Empress. Art. yeah maybe there first <laughs>
0: Ooh that's a that this is a good idea. Sarah, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to send you an email. I'm going to yeah, send you yeah, an electronic do. mail message oh, when no. we're done with this call. <laughs> I think it's great though. I think that like the
1: the aspect of here's a fantasy world <clears throat> has influenced what the theme song sounds like which can then in turn influence how the story is driven, right? Um, like there's, uh, I've talked to people who are authors and they, they write a lot of their book. And at the same time, they're, they're working with a cover artist and then they get the cover art back and they're like, Oh my God, that's so cool. And I don't know what that element is in there, but now I'm going to incorporate that into the story. Right. And it's like the creative process is beautiful because it's ever changing. and, And if you're open to it, then it creates these things that are just so much bigger than the sum of all the parts and i think that's i mean i I think that's what you've done with with the music is you've created something where like you're influenced by this world that patrick has created and then you guys together have been able to create something even bigger um through that i think it's really
4: really cool it's been an Um, amazing process to be a part of i'm just super grateful (laughs)
0: fucking this guy over here is super grateful like (laughs) you know how many people would listen to this show if we didn't have such a good theme song definitely not as many definitely not anywhere near as many i wouldn't honestly (laughs)
6: like i hate the sound of my own voice there and the fact Mm. that i listen to the podcast again because the music is so good and, you know, Patrick's okay at editing. But, like, mostly the music. <laughs> Mid, like, frankly. Yeah. I agree. That's cool. No, 100%. It's yeah, awesome. I love okay. the sound
2: of Craig's voice and the fact that I uh, okay, can't hear go. a damn thing he says because I'm too fixated on the music. <laughs> I think speaks, uh, speaks to it. <laughs> See? To be honest, listening to
1: Cinder and Craig talk and not hearing the rally music behind them, like and <laughs> they're unfolding some crazy plot point, it's it's messing with my brain because I'm expecting Craig to be like, We're about to fuck over the Empressar. And then I hear, Ooh, Cha, Ooh, and I'm like, Yeah, let's do this. But I'm not hearing it. Not hearing it.
3: It's happening?
2: We <laughs> oh, oh, work for the Empressar. You're getting mixed
4: up. Yeah. Yes. Oh, you right. Are. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Totally. totally. Uh, uh, i mean for sure but you can still fuck them over
3: yeah yeah
0: really good <laughs> oh. Carissa, so, so, so many
3: uh, what, quitting? so many job uh, <laughs>
0: experiences which I've so done, so tyler uh tyler this is, uh, this is it's actually funny that you bring that up because i wanted to for the handful of people who are listening live uh i wanted to tease the first like 20 30 seconds of a piece that uh sayer has actually just finished Uh, if we're all happy to just like sit in silence for fucking 20 to 30 seconds yeah absolutely
5: let's
1: do that
0: great all right uh i this should work
1: So you guys are about to go to war?
6: Yeah, I was
2: going to that... say, what the fuck is about <laughs> to happen? What is about
6: to happen? we getting, getting shit done. That's what's happening right if now. If anyone Let who is go. watching this
0: hasn't listened to episode eight, I highly recommend that you listen to episode eight, uh, because the end of episode eight foreshadows some stuff that's going to happen in episode nine. Uh, and uh, yeah, rally rally is going to be going to war.
3: Uh, what and well, the episode, maybe
0: the episode before the next episode
6: is telling me information about the episode that's upcoming in that episode. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who could have thought that this would be a thing that could happen? Uh, yes, um, I'm extremely fucking hyped. Uh, that was,
2: sounded awesome. That was great. so good. <laughs> that was so really good. cool. So, so good. Cool. Uh,
1: Sayer, I'm not sure uh, how much more time we have with you. Do we still have a good amount of time for you to hang out with us?
4: <laughs> I, I, another 10 minutes or so, but but I, I don't want to take up all the time. I mean, there's there, I, I provide um, but, you're but pretty but a teeny much the
1: coolest heart. guy at the table, so
4: uh, <laughs> it's been the first time anyone's ever said that to me. <laughs> I did
1: want to ask uh, one last question, and then, and then other people can continue sure. to ask. But I just wanted to ask. So, so uh, as far as D and D goes, what is your what's your main? What do you play? What's
4: your? Oh go-to? God! Well, Good I mean, question. I mean, d- do you need question. do you need to ask? I'm a yeah. musical theater performer. Do you need to ask? Well, <laughs> uh, yeah. Paladin. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> but actually, my my most recent uh, 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 sort of thought obsession with with a character is is a paladin bard to class
5: mm-hmm. a worship um, pastor, because
4: boy. because i think it's it's chaotic as hell to to put those two together yeah I mean. um
5: mm-hmm.
4: i I really like paladin as as a class in general and I like expanding upon the idea that a paladin doesn't just have to be a holy warrior it's it's mm-hmm. a conviction that is so strong to something that gives them their magical ability it's not Pregnose! Just like, Crayon. yeah 100 i know exactly um it, it's the same it's the same kind of kind of vibe as as isaac um but but yeah i mean i i, I always love playing a bard because i do like to be a little bit cha- chaotic when i when i play mm-hmm. and i'm a very fickle person and a player so i like that bards are kind of jack of all trades master of nuns so i can easily switch between what i want to be doing from session to session Mm -hmm.
6: yeah i I agree completely with the the concept of a paladin but as soon as you said paladin bard i instinctually thought of youth uh musical director (laughs) at church (laughs) yeah you have yeah. passed her. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Not wrong. That's why Not I wrong. started laughing. I was like, oh, somebody said it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> my my little brother plays a bard uh every once in a while, and he's really good at music as well. And so one time, he brought his guitar, and he decided to pretend to be a holy person in the session. And love it. He just sat there with so his guitar, good. and he started playing worship tunes and stuff. Like the entire <laughs> yeah. time we're playing, he's just playing worship <laughs> in the background, just all the songs that we know. And we're like, "Dude, will so you good. please stop? We're playing." <laughs> 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 this is too real, man. <laughs> Our so God is funny. a
4: giant pig. <laughs> nice nice there's layers to that
0: that's a really good that's a really that was honestly that's a good joke that just very good
5: oh Mm. shit
1: did you guys have any other questions for for sayer before he gets out of
2: here i just Mm. it's nice to nice to put a name uh, a motion to the face i look at that picture and i see you in the chat sometimes but it's, it is very fun to have you be a part of this project. Also, I lived in Canada for a little while, and I just want to say there is a weird, truly heartwarming nostalgia to hearing you talk. You, I, you have a very specific Canadian accent that I love, and it is just lovely to hear it.
4: That, uh, well, thank you. I, I, it, it's so funny with the whole Canadian accent thing because I'm like, I don't have an accent. What
2: are you talking about? It has about? to do I'm... with how articulate you are. It's a certain yeah. way oh, okay. of yeah. like, how you articulate. There's a precision
0: your words. of speech sure. that Americans Americans are very lazy in the yeah, way that
4: they speak. Even us
0: professionals <laughs> are
4: very lazy. But well, it's it's really cool to name, you know, put put a an actual in person face to the name too, because. I've, I've been listening the whole way, and I'm such a fan of everything that you all are doing, and when Patrick and Emily announced who the cast was for this show, I immediately looked you all up. Some of you I was already following, and I was immediately like, this is going to be a kick-ass show, and, and I, I really enjoy all of... No, I mean Cinder and Craig, like uh, the, the stuff that you do on TikTok as well, just like in your own lives outside the podcast, it, it's so inspiring and so fun and entertaining and I learn lots from it. Um I mean, Emily from like the early days, I think you were one of the first TikTok D uh, uh, D&D creators that I connected with.
5: Mm-hmm. And
4: like, you know, all the spooky stuff that you were that that you like really lean into, like that is my jam. And Patrick, like it, you know, the DMs can learn so much from you, and it's it, it is it is a really a really special thing to be part of this group of people. So thank you, and okay. and Tyler, oh, it's right it's, right it's wonderful to God. meet you, and thank you for <laughs> for facilitating this, and and I'm so yeah. excited that you're going to be continuing with this as well. Listen. So. He's Canadian. It. He's Canadian. This is Let too much, crack. Man,
6: I need insults. <laughs> I need. I need sarcasm.
0: All right. All right. All, all right. These... We're gonna hold on. Hold on. I'll bring us down. I'll bring us down with the, huh. with, the, with, the with the with the with the capitalist sort of Damocles, uh, uh, sayer. Where can people find and support your work?
4: Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, on TikTok, I'm Sherwood.sound because um, I'm I'm nerdy like that, and I love Robin Hood. So Sherwood Forest um uh you can also look me up on soundcloud um i do have also some other work that's on spotify as well because there's another podcast i compose for called legends a superhero story um so if you look up the legends soundtrack i think that's on spotify as well um it's all like you know what if, what if the marvel universe was a ttrpg um and then if, if anybody listening wants fantasy music commissions, you can reach out to me directly or you can contact obpmusical.com. Um, it's a bunch of really cool people there who really know what they're doing. Um about it.
0: Uh, if anyone is paying very close attention, yes, Sherwood, sure uh, the rally character is named <laughs> after Sayers TikTok. Yes, I uh, won't ask handle. that question. Thanks, uh, <laughs> not a problem. Clarified, not a yeah. problem. Um, that one's for free. That one's for <laughs> free. You get well, everybody gets one, and it's that one. That's the one everyone gets. That's it. That's it. Yeah.
5: <laughs> <laughs> oh shit.
0: Awesome.
1: Well, uh, dude, it's been really cool to meet you and, and I am a big fan. I've got like a
4: thousand more questions, so I definitely, we'll get them back. Time. We'll get them back. Yeah. We'll get them back. Yeah, this, yes, this please. may not be the last time I'm joining please. this group of people. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Patrick, I'll what? pass it off to you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, the way he oh, yes. that, that, was an, that
2: was an exit. That was, so that was a good. <laughs> good, that was a good. Listen, listen. Man's a man's a theater guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah that fact. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah.
0: I know what you mean. See this? Oh my goodness! Is, I love Canadians so
2: much. I don't mean to put a bunch of people in a box, but there's something <laughs> about that genuine kindness. That I just look at and I'm like, I wanna be near it, but also I wanna poke it like a bear, you know? I wanna see wasps come out of it.
6: I feel like the when you're putting the them in the
0: box and
6: yours? you put flowers you and fancy nice stuff in the box, it's an okay
2: yeah. box. I feel like that's we're gonna assume nice, nice things box. about
0: you broadly yeah, it's a nice in without context, yes. Craig, are um, we in the
2: same room? What's going on?
1: exactly <laughs> you guys behind you as he was, like,
5: <laughs>
2: shit on the I stops. actually also Did moved you? to the west coast I'm just uh. Yes. I'm at it.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, for anybody who is still uh, listening still watching uh, obviously Sayer has uh, had to leave we only had him for a little bit of time here but we are uh, going to be around for probably another hour or so uh, just kind of hanging on I know Tyler has some more questions for uh, the rest of our brilliant uh, main cast uh, but yeah, j- don't 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 feel like just because uh, Sayer did like an extraordinarily good dramatic exit, you have to as well. You probably won't live <laughs> up to the hype now because uh, it, we can't hear you. It's too hard of an act to follow <laughs> frankly.
1: I honestly think, like in post, maybe you need to take this and add some of his own theatrical music to that.
0: exit, <laughs> Like the build up. And if he had given gone. me warning, I could I could have had a if bit. Right? Like, I thing, had
2: if there's one thing we need, it's to, it's it's Patrick getting Patrick more audio <laughs> editing to do. Yeah,
3: yeah maybe not. Maybe let's not do that. <laughs> I know what it feels like.
2: I really do,
1: and yeah. uh, I know personally that when people suggest extra work,
0: my I was always like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> for sure i think emily would actually kill me i think she'd actually <laughs> i think she'd actually just like end me in my sleep if i if i took no on i'd wake lore. you up
3: first and then end you oh, oh that's yeah, love that's true. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
5: no. are you guys are you
1: guys in the same residence like just just in different rooms who not yet not
0: yet, not yet. Uh, no i'm still
1: me and cinder are yeah, I know to... you two are same yeah. room. I, Emily, I Emily that.
0: and I are not not at the moment. Uh, but she she is going to be joining me. Uh, yeah, I'm packing in, up to leave. Uh, next couple weeks. Hence so. the
3: chaos behind me. Yeah, <laughs> I just
1: I yes. just needed to ask that question so that you could address the chaos behind you, Emily. I just needed yeah, to try sure no. why. Yeah, yeah.
2: Uh, yeah. The stack of box the stack of unfinished yeah. boxes next to you has definitely uh, <laughs> gotten it's gotten smaller. Right? What you yeah. didn't like that. <laughs> Be honest with you, it was like very, uh,
3: <laughs> it was beautiful.
0: It's really good podcasting, top tier podcasting. We're
2: professionals, we are, don't listen, you listen, listen, this is what the people are paying the good money for, okay? No, I mean, I'm they not see us all what edited and fancy. Oh, I am in character. This is how I talk. They Patrick want to see the dirty. audio
6: makeup on us. This is real us, yeah. <laughs> we, burp, <laughs> we fart. We
3: oh what else do we do, it. Cinder? Sniff, that's, that's, those are the
6: big two. Yawn. We do all that cool stuff.
3: <laughs> Crunch oh, all the shit. good
0: snacks, you know. Oh my god, the fucking snacking that I have to edit.
6: <laughs> <laughs> I remember. That's I remember. There's snack. one. One, uh, uh, and then I'll shut up. But it was like no, somebody fine. had a fan. And they were Sam, just Sam.
0: Pff, Sam. Out. and Pat Sam. just goes.
6: Please put the fan away.
0: And it
5: goes. I was like, <laughs>
0: it's like the constant
3: sort of like flapping on the microphone
0: yeah it's literally literally it's the it's the it's the i think it's the most stage directory Mm -hmm. that anyone any of these any of these (laughs) clowns have ever gotten to see me because it's 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 a pre-recorded thing and they're brilliant so they basically don't do anything wrong um And so it's like, it's the first time I've had to be like, fucking stop.
3: Like, I know. Like. You did ban snacks after the first, I think, or second recording. Because I think both me and Sam were just I didn't, like, no, popcorn, I didn't, I didn't like, I did, I did ban, ban snacks. Them? I banned snacks while
0: you were talking.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Good
2: distinction. You'd be in it's a scene and it's like, like, we'll hear that.
0: You know, we like them. <laughs>
2: Like, <laughs> that's why we need to have more scenes during when the characters are eating
0: I I'm mean, not opposed, if you guys can make it make sense in fiction, I'm here for it then you don't like have to add odd. in the
3: audio effects yeah. we can just exactly. do it yeah, we
6: can just, exactly. um, I'm not going to do it now because I actually hate that kind of Isaac, <laughs> I brought this sandwich,
2: now let's have a conversation absolutely God I forgot that you eat as a robot
6: <laughs> it hasn't come up yet <laughs> that's the lore from <laughs>
0: that's what the people want to know The what yeah, people want to know can yeah. guard yeah. and is porky mm-hmm. hot these are the you know things what? that they want to yes. know I'm not gonna lie
1: I have a question written down that's close to that so this could be oh, oh, this could be a I transition let's hear
2: it let's hear it perfect transition
1: uh, for, for cinder uh, oh playing guard that's me does guard have a mouth or is the animal conversation like an atomic like vox sort of uh replication
2: of sounds so on guard's face is a mask that is sort of the equivalent of like an ancient leprosy mask like Mm -hmm. think like the king from uh, kingdom of heaven Uh, it has holes where eyes would be and and a slit where a mouth would be behind it but behind that is just dark and that mask never moves so right sound comes out from his face but it has not come up yet and I don't want to say anything but I don't that is not necessarily what guard looks like that's just what sure. the thing that sits on his face
1: I know I mean by by mechanics you're playing a war forged yeah but uh, I don't know in this world if it's the same as the Eberron I, I don't think guard has like... a
2: place to put food no
1: hmm because the Everon ruling is something like leather and wood is,
2: is the actual being. Yeah, and, and then they, they can the eat if they want to. But, um, right. I, yeah, I, I'm leaning hard into the guard is a thing, a, uh, a, a golem more than a warforged. Mm. So I don't think guard has an articulating jaw at all. Interesting. Yeah. So it so
1: it is more of a Bumblebee and transformer situation where he's like mm. replicating noise.
2: A hundred percent. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's
2: a good way of putting it.
1: Because uh, I, when I was listening to the last couple episodes and you're talking to animals and you're saying that you're like making the animal noises. Honestly, it kind of freaked me out a little bit. This idea of a giant golem just yeah. in the woods going. You know,
2: that's what I want. everything about guard is traumatized i'm trying to ride the line between dark souls and goofy with guard
0: there's (laughs) there's definitely a vibe that i have with guard that that isn't it's not something that i think we've ever really talked about and that it it can't really make its way into the main podcast but like Mm. i've always envisioned guard's sound sitting real low in his chest right Mm -hmm. like Mm. you hear him from like, just the diaphragm. And I don't know if that's accurate or canonical or anything, but, like, that's how it plays in my head.
2: I... Kind of me, too. You, so, I almost imagine it, like, when you hear the younger brother in Full Metal Alchemist talk. Yeah. It's just, like, yes. an echoing uh, noise yeah. inside of the armor. Alphonse, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm, that's kind of what mm-hmm. I imagine it sounds like. little less tinny. Oh, yeah, almost, almost point recording. Yeah.
1: Almost to the point where guard is, uh, is a spirit within the armor. And and if, if I'm, like, pushing too hard on some secrets.
2: um, If you are, I will reveal now that I very actively know very little about Guard's backstory okay. other than one or two things that are pretty irrelevant to answering any questions related to his backstory. <laughs> In that, gotcha. like, there are, like, several memories my character has before the story began, but they don't answer any questions. <laughs> okay. All right.
1: I, I, I mean, it's great. I I just want to know what the hell he is. Amen. Uh, me
5: too.
1: Is there nothing about guard that's like, what happens if I take this off?
2: We haven't played around with that yet. Um, I will say that, and this is we're on episode like eight or now, so this happened before. But I've pretty intentionally play guard a little differently when would they go into the woods and the yeah. deeper into the woods that we go. The more I allow him to be i think a little bit more like flavored in how he thinks and how he takes things in, um and even in the most recent episodes, like that has changed like he has changed from that journey in the forest, even just being in it. But yeah, I don't really know. I have like I'm a big fan of character transformations, and i like I like characters growing and changing in physical ways as well as like, emotional ways over a D&D game. Like, if my character ends the, ends a series and they're missing an arm and have, like, a big robot cook, like, that's a good— I like that. So I've talked to Pat about this before. I'm not pushing it in any direction, but, like, I am super down for Guard to go through some very physical transformations as he figures his shit out. But I do I like, just have yeah, to fucking spin up an, an enemy that can actually hit him. Like, Dude, you <laughs> you, you for the love of God. The last, times, the last several fights ended with me below in single-digit hit points.
0: Oh! Well, I'm clearly not taking that out f- f- viscerally. I enough. just don't cool. act it's like out. it,
2: because Guard wouldn't act like it. <laughs>
0: yeah, right, Guard wouldn't. Mm. Uh...
3: Good
0: point. Yeah, I, I, I think that we had, we've had we kind of dealt with this with the uh, I, I fight for the trees and the, the, the kind of tree shatter on Guard as well mm. is like yeah. an early example of what we're hoping to do with some of that.
2: Yeah.
1: And so, <clears throat> Patrick, how much of Guard's backstory do you have written down yeah. how much
0: of it is floating around in the brain and how much yeah. is going to come to you when you improv it it's a good question um, the written down versus floating around in the brain I don't know I haven't looked at the notes for it in like a month so I i couldn't say that distinctly but um, how I, I think the, the, the question of like how much do I actually know kind of behind the scenes um, is really interesting because I've spent a tremendous amount of time thinking about what kind of thing Guard is and what does that mean for the world right yeah. because mm-hmm. it's a pretty buckwild thing for this world where <clears throat> magic is suppressed arcane magic is scarce yeah. um divine or primal they're kind of the same thing in this world uh you know kind of natural magic is 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 um very sequestered that there's a like a fully walking talking automaton right like that is a that is a that is a thing that we have accepted on the face of it, but took a lot of conversation. And I think we built into Rally like a lot of early skepticism, right? There was a lot of people being very afraid of Guard very early on. Um, and uh, and so I think that there's there's been a lot of thought put into what kind of thing Guard is. And like, what does that mean for the world? I genuinely think that the answer to what is Guard's backstory is going to be kind of there isn't a lot of it. And this has come a little bit from, from from Cinder's wish to, like, not want to be playing an amnesiatic character, right? Where it's like, oh, I just forgot the hundred years that I lived before this point, right? Like, that's that's very much not who Guard is. Um, and so Guard, as Guard, as we know him today, I, I genuinely think has only existed for about three years and has mm. been in Rally for almost all of them. Um So the rest of it is, is sort of about what kind of thing guard is and what does that mean for the world? And that's where I've put a lot more thought.
1: That's really interesting. The, the idea that he is like, you, you asked that question of like, well, what were you? And it's like, it doesn't matter what he was. It's what he is. And I I think that's a really interesting take on having almost an eternal type of creature right not not that guard is eternal, but you know he he's gonna outlive possibly through technology or maintenance or whatever he can he can outlive just about anybody um and so having the question always being, what is guard now rather than what was guard? it's a very philosophical take on, <laughs> on,
2: get on, get deep on a big here. dumb robot That's <laughs> a-
6: <laughs> get deep on our big dumb robots around here. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's good. I mean, what's a robot, what's a story with a robot that doesn't get philosophical at some point. Oh the point, the yeah. point of a true. robot is to reflect humanity back on itself. So I, yeah. I
2: will say that I do lean into guards, total lack of social awareness as a player to make other players address their things. Like that yeah. is very yeah. fun for me to play into the ignorance of guard. To try to force my fellow players to like face very human aspects of their characters that I am noticing, and I'm not sure if they're. Pit- I, that I feel like this should come up. So it's a fun game to let play. Us,
6: let <laughs> us keep our secrets, Cinder. <laughs>
0: not I
2: gotta is... have somebody
0: getting them out of y'all. Jesus creases. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it is a very Socratic method of, play- of role playing where you get to just kind of lean back and say, all right, I'm going to gonna I'm gonna put it back on you. When something comes to me, I'm going to put it back on you with a new question. And they can't argue with that because you're a big
2: dumb robot and yeah. there's no, like, getting around it. The only time that I really am frustrated, not frustrated, I get really frustrated with myself with Guard when I feel like he acts too emotional or says things that are too, uh, have too much, like, emotion in them which does happen sometimes like this is the one of the harder characters than I've ever played just because if I'm role-playing a person I can very quickly respond to things but anytime guard is asked the question or is engaging with a situation I kind of have to ask myself what does this mean from his perspective and then what is the most efficient and least emotional way that he can answer this question Mm
3: -hmm. and it's it's a very
2: weird game um but uh but yeah yeah every now and then I guard will say something very informal and I'm like fuck that's not how guard talks god (laughs) damn it (laughs) I'm getting my me
6: all over my character gross (laughs) Uh,
1: speaking of emotions um, I think that I have a question for Emily that I I think is kind of an interesting Um, (laughs) grim does have an opinion (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah. He decided now you, is the time to appear. Sorry.
1: You know, you play Harissa as kind of a a little more stoic, a little more like I'm I'm here to do my job, and then mm-hmm. and kind of holding back a lot. But I mean, with the arrival of Mr. Spinks, um, which is just the best, uh, by the way. <laughs> and I love that you're playing Mr. Spinks on top of that. Um, it seems like Mr. Spinks is the emotional aspect representation of harissa Mm -hmm. Uh, and we see that you know specifically in the last episode when uh sphinx goes to talk to isaac and basically tells isaac what harissa is going through and and is trying to kind of almost like a child be like this is what I, i i she needs she needs to get this out and so i'm gonna do that for her did you do that on purpose? Is is that what Sphinx is for Harissa?
3: Yes. So the um, Harissa is an interesting character because she's very much... Um, she's developed and decisions are made about her sort of very last minute and on the fly as we're kind of like progressing through the story. Um, but there was... We, we noticed that she... Because she was so guarded... Um, it was hard to get the other kind of um, player characters to kind of see anything more about her. The, the listeners could learn through her flashbacks about her past when she was young, what happened to her, things like that. But there was no kind of real way that she would share that willingly with, with the other characters. So um, when it was coming up to level three and we were going to get the, um, going to get Sphinx uh Initially, Patrick was gonna play him. Um, Patrick was gonna be be Sphinx. This was
0: a bad idea.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um and we actually decided, hey, if I played him, um I could use him as Harissa's Tourette's almost. Like yeah. all those that kind of inner child, that child she kind of never really got a chance to be, or the one that she hides so so harshly. Um she has no choice with sphinx he's just gonna say it he hasn't got a filter he's gonna just go and do the things that she just hasn't let those walls down properly yet to do yeah. um so he was we very very quickly realized he's an, an amazing tool for me to be able to have those conversations and let slip those things um without having to necessarily break harissa's character to do so um so yeah i really really enjoy sphinx and his um big mouth uh it's been very good it's been very good um
1: with mr spinks i I mean i i don't know and maybe i missed this while listening to the show um i don't know what the other names of some of the other familiars in your family would have been but mr spinks is obviously kind of a very silly childish name um Mm -hmm. do all of the people all the familiars in that family line get named by children. So are they all silly, stupid names? Um, Or is it something where she was special and getting to name it early?
3: I think with um, Harissa, it's interesting with her and her familiar because she, she grew up while there weren't familiars around. um, So it wasn't so, I imagine the sort of like the Tanine people when they are kind of like given their familiars, when they kind of come of age, um, it's they come with a name that's kind of like they already kind of know in their heart what that name is going to be. But I think because, well, Safra, when she was young, was given this doll that her grandmother was like basically knew this is what your familiar is going to be. But there wasn't that that knowing that she would really physically get it it's just a mr spinks because that was yeah. just her doll um <clears throat> so it, it, it's a it's a funny i've not really thought about it too hard actually uh, well,
0: but that's i what think, i'm here for i yeah thank every you now, i appreciate so. it um, we've, we've talked a little bit about um without having a lot of concrete detail we've talked a little bit about like in times past the sort of uh, acquiring of a familiar would have been a far more ritualistic experience mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. we talked about um, uh, you know tattoos and um, uh, you know sort of you know kind of uh, accepting the familiar at a certain kind of coming of age ceremony yeah I, w- I would imagine that that probably would have some influence on it as well right like that's there's there, with that element of ceremony to it, um, there probably was a little bit more gravitas put into things oh, like sure. naming
3: the familiar um I'm sure at least I would, imagine. would have had a grander name
1: is there are, do you have it's any pretty examples pretty cool. of what, what the names so? would be
3: uh I don't mm-hmm. <laughs> I have the names of uh, of family members um but I and I know what their lizards their lizards would have been but i haven't plotted out what the names of those kind mm-hmm. of like ancestral lizards would have been yet yeah. um but
0: like they, apocalyptic you should, you should give me the yeah, name for the komodo down. dragon you should give me the name for the komodo dragon All i right, want the name, about, for the, I'll, I'll the name i'll get the name
3: of uh, grammy rosa's komodo dragon at least at yes. the very least um but yes it would be interesting to see the others uh, if and when they appear so it's that
6: it's that um whole con well not concept but that that history of a culture that kind of gets lost in mm-hmm. the, the travels and, and the journey that the culture has to take from like homeland to a new place. Um, yeah. Just, I was, I was just thinking of like my, my teaching history and my students who, who were immigrants and they'd have something that was like very big, cherished a lot because it came from their family, but they didn't have any understanding of, historical yeah. reference or, or what it meant to their culture they're just like i don't know this is just bebop and yeah. i love it and th- that's how i feel about it and it's it, i feel that same concept when you're playing as mr sphinx as well as uh safra in the sense of safra's holding all that in but mr sphinx is just like no this is this is us this is who we are yeah. in general and and all of you need to understand that and i just love that mm-hmm. about about the character
3: thank you uh yeah and and sphinx is learning as well like he is uh, he is the age that safra would have been when she came of age to get him in the first place so Mm -hmm. he's like a young um he's a child basically uh so he physically is a manifestation of her inner child because he's Mm -hmm. the age she would have been when she was young um so he's learning the world, learning all these experiences and kind of trying to play catch up. Um, So the both of them are very inexperienced and in the dark about what's happening.
0: I got to, I got to jump in here because I, I, there was a conversation that Emily and I had at one point when we decided sort of on, when she decided on Drake Warden um, where, I think I offhandedly said, like, hey, we're gonna need to explain the way that you basically get Pokemon evolutions with this fucking thing mechanically, right? Like you get yep. like a by the e you start with a tiny Pokemon tiny dragon familiar and you end with like a full sized Yes, things is gonna get
3: big. These yes, it's gonna get real big. Um, yes.
0: And 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 I you know, I just kind of casually threw off, like, hey, like that's a narrative space that we're gonna need to have some thought put into because the mechanics dictate it, right? Like mm-hmm. that is a, a thing that you need to you need to to conform to. And almost by pure coincidence, the like inner child manifestation ended up being the emotional strength of the character. Mm-hmm. Um and Sphinx's primary motivator of like learn, catch up, grow be the be the familiar that you need to be for adult Safra, mm-hmm. um just like accidentally ended up marrying really really well to uh the mechanics of the arc and i really love when that kind of shit happens i really love when the game really helps to facilitate the storytelling A
6: class goes with the story type deal i it's love that very ability. good
0: yeah. it's yeah. very good mm-hmm. i was gonna
1: ask uh sam about about June, and I, and I probably will next time we do this, where yeah. it seems like June might have, at least it, from from what I've listened to from the beginning to, to episode eight, there's a little bit of maturing that's happening, and a lot of it's mm. happened after she's seen kind of where her father went after his death. She went and visited his grave. Um, I have yet to see what she wrote on that letter, which I, I'm very interested to know what that is. But there's you know there's uh, a trauma response for kids, um which is like the arrested phil- uh, not philosophical arrested psychological uh development, mm. where a child goes through massive trauma and then an adult is basically no more mature than that child was they they' they're arrested in that form. and I feel like this question also pertains um to Harissa, where did something significantly traumatic happen where she kind of had to put that away and kind of compartmentalize and now we're seeing that arrestment come through sphinx a little bit
3: i think um (laughs) she definitely went through uh it's similar to June, but I think she was a lot younger when it happened. So she doesn't really understand it as well. And I think she's trying to figure it out at the same time Sphinx is. So it's going to be yeah. a really interesting learning curve for the both of them. So where she's kind of tried to ignore it for a very, very long time, um, she's going to be forced to face it because yeah. she now has to try and understand this with Sphinx. Um, yeah. So I don't think it's... Um, quite as uh, traumatizing as June's experience has been because I don't think uh, Harissa Safra was really old enough to understand and she was just kind of, it wasn't really talked about after that point. So I think it's more of a discovery and understanding. Um, There may be trauma inbound, who knows? Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's my job. Knowing Patrick, probably yes. Uh, So (laughs) we'll see. That hurts so bad.
5: <laughs>
1: uh, i have no segue moving on to yeah. <laughs> uh, i was trying to think of a good segue like trauma inbound with uh with craig with isaac um that was your segue you, you that was trauma it inbound. yeah
3: isaac with isaac yeah right <laughs> yeah <laughs> right. honestly yes
1: um, there's a lot that we don't know about Isaac's backstory, right? And, uh, and we're, we're getting to enjoy the process that, of that unfolding. Um, I like that we get to seal, see Pat, like, like not peeling like an onion, but like, like a, with a crowbar, peeling away <laughs> a lot of the layers of that trauma he's and what happened. To
6: press down mm-hmm. on the box as he's yeah. trying to open it. Yeah, yeah, no. great. Great. yeah so it's absolutely. a lot of fun. It to stay, it's but... a
0: really, honestly, it's a great vaudeville act. <laughs> um, I, you know, it and and correct me
1: if I'm wrong on this, but it, it does seem like um, Isaac really started to come to terms with the idea of rebelling against the Har after he was reminded or at least op- his eyes were open to the the oath that he's made to the forest is that a big moment for isaac where he kind of says okay now it's justified for me to act this way officially has this been swirling around for a while or was that kind of a moment where he's like you know what? I don't know what the fuck is going on. I'm just gonna start playing every everything off the top of the deck.
6: Um, I I'm terribly sorry to to say this to you, but it's the latter. Yeah. Um
1: <laughs> <laughs> No no no, that's fine. I,
6: <laughs> I uh Isaac has an intelligence of eight and he there was a, a moment or a scene, I believe it's episode five or six um where Quirky Harl like the- um, yeah, has him floating and looking at the entirety of the, the Western wheels, as well as pointing to Rowley and saying, "You made an oath to all of this." Yep. Um, and in the back of his mind, Isaac, Isaac, uh, he he's a military man at heart, in the sense of he understands he has a, a job, or he understands there's a big guy at the top that is going to tell him how to live his life, type concept, and. He he's over that, and so yeah. while as he was falling and he was picturing the things he actually cared about, that's when he made the motivations of all right. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. But I'm gonna use whatever this gift is to meet the needs of the people that I actually care about. Um, and it and at this point, you know, we got a few gods that might deal with the emissary. Problem solved. Is that how life works? Absolutely not.
1: But that's how Isaac thinks it's going. <laughs> is it is it the fact that he now knows where his oaths lie that propels him to actively rebel though cuz i mean he was he, he had to have been feeling the pressure before that right and and he's dealing with all this stuff we open the show opens with isaac actively under pressure um and he's trying to make everyone happy and now it seems like we're seeing a change of like no i'm going to i'm going to focus solely on rally now but the right. oath has been the same the whole time mm-hmm. yeah so is and, is and is the realization that that change
6: i don't think he understands the change itself i think mm. he just understands that he is stronger than he believed he was previously yeah and that strength is is something he can use and and manipulate to um (laughs) to get the the outcome that he wants for rally yes and isaac is a very difficult character for me to play because the way he thinks is completely the opposite of how i think and so um i agree in the sense of what you're saying that's how Isaac should should look at this like, yeah, <laughs> you you, you yeah. gotta work together with the forest and, and, and become make Rally and the Forest stronger and then you don't have to worry about the Emphasar. Isaac doesn't see any of that. He just sees Oh man. Ooh, I I have a sharper weapon than I had before. Yeah. And now I can handle the Emphasar. I got, got a flying recently.
0: shield. No one's gonna yes. stop me. <laughs> <laughs> I to <just> <laughs> It's so interesting to me because it feels like isaac is making progress right because we as the audience are learning about him and other people are kind of finding working rhythms around him it feels like isaac is growing and changing but at, at its core craig i think you're you're sort of right that like isaac is was and has always been the fixer and a magic shield vines on call and uh, you know, and 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 potentially the wrath of these elder gods are tools in the options box, right? They're just bigger weapons that he can pick up and swing at the problem. um and I think I think that I'm very excited about when Isaac kind of has to face a real change because yeah. I think that it's 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 gonna look so different from what we've seen from him so far, which has has really been. like kind of a ready acceptance and doubling down on the same kind of Mm -hmm. approach i'm
1: i'm going through my head right now of like characters in shows and 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 stories that they they do change ultimately they change but the way that they think or you know who they are doesn't change and like the number one, and I don't know why I haven't watched this in twenty plus years. The number one that comes to my mind is Vegeta from <laughs> from uh, um, Dragon Ball Z, because nice. Vegeta That's is genuinely the same person throughout the entire twenty year show. Like yeah, but he most character development out of but he exactly he has me. the most character. He's he becomes one That's of the best people pull. ever. But the way he thinks is exactly the same in the first episode as it is in the last episode. Mm, And and I I feel like that could be something really interesting to watch with Isaac, where it's like, we know you're better. We know you're better somehow, but the way you're going about it is so weird that I want to watch it. Yeah, yeah. Oh,
6: man, That that is eerily... Exactly what I'm trying to do, which is <laughs> <laughs>
0: Vegeta.
6: Vegeta is one of my favorite DBZ by, uh, characters, and mm-hmm. that's funny how. Um, holy crap!
0: That's really art good. Art
6: imitating yeah. art, I guess. I don't know.
0: The yeah, art man. imitating the shit we remember growing up with as children <laughs> watching fucking tsunami way too yeah, late at night. The Patrick
3: like marathons baby.
0: Patrick's like, yeah, this is gonna be
1: like anime inspired. He's thinking Princess Mononoke. And Craig's over here like
3: Dragon Ball
0: Z. Let's <laughs> do it. I'm into it. I'm into it. I'm a hundred percent here for it. Uh, I don't think you mechanically get any Super Saiyan powers. I was but say-
6: talking about him,
1: Paladin. Oh, yeah, he's a paladin. If he goes monk, he's literally a-, a Super Saiyan at that point. Isaac's not flexible True. enough for all that shit. He's
0: like, no. Nah.
1: <laughs>
6: <laughs> it's also fun playing like not too old of a yes. person but like older than than I am and just the assumption of certain things that happen as you age and let's see he's a lumberjack but you know he probably doesn't stay as healthy as he used to when he was a soldier and yeah uh, it's it's he's a blast to play in, in that aspect
1: but I do out. have to ask is there's there's a couple times where the way that Isaac comes off and maybe it's, maybe it's how you portray him. How maybe that's just how you're playing. You're dealing with a lot going on, but like in, I think it was towards the end of episode seven where um, you've sent June off or, or I'm sorry, you have sent uh, Harissa and guard off into the forest and you're trying to talk to June and you're trying to be like, look, we need to do this and the whole time the whole time like you guys are having a conversation all all that isaac is doing is going like look you need to listen to me look just listen to me that's his whole point <laughs> it's not even like he's making a point his point is june just listen to what i'm saying and i felt like that was like an age thing was like look <laughs> oh, i'm older you? than you oh, i don't actually have a point but here you need to listen to what i'm saying
6: isaac is and i and i i I go back to this mainly because I just got out, but um of the military, I have to keep saying um and that's that concept and that's that leadership role that happens within the military in the sense of a good communicative way of talking to somebody and you want them to listen to you is to listen to them and understand yeah. where they're coming from. They don't do that and so <laughs> he's like he's like, no, I have this great idea and just listen to it and then our problems will be solved it's like no dude that's not how you communicate with somebody you want them to be able to not only work with you but build a relationship with them
0: i genuinely feel like each of you picked a very specific bad communication style and said let me do that for a year and a half because that sounds fun
3: yeah harissa and isaac are gonna get nothing done ever like oh it was
6: so and the funny thing is when when we had the conversation, I, Isaac and Her, uh, Harissa had the conversation. In my uh, this one, I knew I was thinking like Isaac because in my head I was like, "This is gonna go smoothly." Which is <laughs>
5: Understanding.
6: And I, Isaac's gonna say what he needs to say. Harissa's gonna be like, "You know what? Yeah, it happens." And boom, bada boom, and it started going. And I started getting into Isaac's thought process, and I was like, "Oh, this is this is gonna go poor. Oh, this is terrible.
5: <laughs> this is oh yeah. gosh."
6: Oh man! Oh, that left a bad taste in my mouth, but it was
5: so good.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, a quick segue. We have we do have questions from our oh, our, yeah. listenership. Mm. Uh, our listenership. Our um, listenership.
2: I've heard of them. Love them. Yeah, uh,
1: we mention them every once in a while. Um, and. The first question I I want to ask, just because you know we've we've touched on each of your characters a little bit, is uh, this first question is from Elderberry, which um, Elderberry is spelled with an A, which makes me very happy.
0: Uh, and... Elderberry is our newest rally defender on Patreon, so thank hey. you so much, Elderberry. Hey, what's up, Elderberry? We thank owe you, Elderberry. you are very lives. It's really hard
1: not to say Barry like uh, No Ho Hank from the show Barry because. It's the best. So um, just be happy (laughs) uh, changing your name. Uh, The question is, what was the biggest inspirations for the characters? Um, Hmm. So I'd love to hear. I mean, we we got in pretty deep and philosophical with with my question. So, you know, get deeper and more philosophical I, with
0: this I one. actually, we've had we've had a number of questions about like, how did you come up with the character, or are you gonna things that are sort of in this vein? This is an interesting spin on that. I like that specific phrasing Yeah, for that question.
2: Who wants to go first? <laughs> <Lots> <laughs> of Who hard wants hard. to go first?
6: Nerds? <laughs> I, I got y'all. I got right. y'all. Go Nerd. Nerd, DM mode activated. I like characters, <clears> I like to, <throat> to fill as characters when I play PCs. And so I I knew what everybody else was gonna be before I, I thought of Isaac, and then I was like, okay, well, a, a Paladin seems to fit this, and then, uh Patrick made the idea of of rally, and then he was like, all right, I need to find a NPC to run this place or whatever, and then my dumbass says, um, I'll, what what if I've ran it. And Ew. then um all the anxiety and stress of me opening my big mouth and causing issues. Um It was immediate. It was prophetic into a, a a actual character. And then I was like, I'm gonna play that character. And then Isaac what was...
1: <laughs> was, was there any other character, though? I mean, like we talked about Vegeta a little bit, but right. were there any other characters that you thought of when you were kind of mixing Isaac into existence?
6: Um, his 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 mannerism, the way that he speaks. I, I uh, Atlantis, the Disney movie, uh, the mm-hmm. Doctor, Doctor Jonathan Sweet. Um, oh, yeah, that's Jonathan that, Sweet. That's it. That's that's where that comes from. The actual character, or the the way he is, or or how he acts, mostly came from, I just want to say, that whole, the backstory that I made for him, but I don't, I can't think of a specific character mm-hmm. exactly, but it had a lot to do with uh, Sam's character, June, because yeah. I, Isaac's father and, and whatnot,
0: and I'm sorry, I- June's, June's father. June's father, yeah. And- Isaac, Isaac, I think is... <laughs> interesting because more than almost anyone else you kind of uh, you kind of crafted isaac out of lore right like Mm -hmm. as soon as you said like hey like i want to be in charge of this town i was like okay well here's how the town got founded and tell me how you fit into that and like what makes sense there and you you really like took it upon yourself to write a big chunk of the world politic right Mm -hmm. like to to come up with like why you were on the run, why you stumbled into rally, um, what had happened, you know, sort of in Agravar. And then that gave me I mean, we didn't have a name for it at the point, but that gave me that Agravar existed, right? And um uh really, you know, like just kind of single handedly wrote a bunch of the world lore that ended up becoming a big part of the, the the show. Um I think probably Harissa might be a close second, but I think it's 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 uh it was very lore oriented. I, I okay. That make.
6: I'm thinking back now, and I remember hitting you up with messages like, "What what would be the military like, uh, system in which this country goes by?" And with like real heavy dungeon <laughs> dungeon master questions yeah. of world building. Yeah. And I was like, "I'm a fucking nerd asking these." American
0: and comments. honestly, I didn't answer any of them. He was like, "How does the military work?" And I was like, "You're a paladin, right? They're all paladins." Oh. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like. Huh? okay
1: (laughs) i i love that answer by the way it's like yeah you know whatever okay honestly
0: that's my i've got a i've got another interview uh coming up next uh next week that i'm very excited about with a with a friend of mine to talk about world building and like world building process and uh and actually cinder and i had just uh done some streaming on this as well and my my world building process is just like listen right because yeah. people will say things, and as long as I don't forget them, the world's built.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think that that's a really important space to to build for your players is to let them um, be like, yeah, you know, I was I came from the wilds of Log. and you're like, <laughs> oh yeah, you did, oh, you, you did? definitely okay, cool. did, sir. Let's write that down. Um, and and that is, uh, I think that's something that a lot of games miss where. They're afraid to step on the DM's toes, and, and you know, be like, "Well, is this something that I can add in?" It's like, you can, bro. You understand that all I have is a piece of paper, and I've got like maybe ten <laughs> percent of that paper is covered mm-hmm. in map. You can have whatever you want.
0: I have, I have <laughs> one note for this session, and it just says prosthetic mustache, baby.
5: <laughs> <You do that. laughs>
0: Oh, oh my man.
6: gosh! <laughs> Fucking I love it. I love it. I'm already. I'm always afraid of that because I will go to the moon and back in adding stuff in. So I always, even after the session, I'll just be like, "Hey, you got any homework for me? You got
5: any?" <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. I, Craig asked for more homework than truly anyone else in the, in the in the in the. It like for character stuff more than anybody else in the game. It's great. Yeah. Uh.
1: Cinder, how about you? What are your inspirations for your character?
2: Um, Iron Giant. Yeah. Um, I well go fuck yourself. First of all. <laughs> uh, so the initial idea came from I like I just I liked the idea I liked the idea of being something that is very scary looking. Um, so I genuinely was like looking at like Dark Souls monsters and things from like Bloodborne for a while and being like, all right, how would these things, what could I, how could I turn something like this into a character? And I don't remember if I, I didn't really have a personality in mind, but I liked the idea of this character that really was the, their, their job was to protect the town and that was all they did. And to it, to an extreme that was inhuman and could potentially lead to like, conflict or even just the severity of how strictly they followed that code would be a little scary, potentially. I thought mm-hmm. that was very interesting and it would be a lot of fun. Um, also, I love playing the I, – I like characters that are, like, innocent and horrifying at the same time. is kind of like a wonderful yeah. combination. So, Tonsies. like, yeah, Iron Giant was definitely in there um, mm-hmm. as well as, like, an inspiration. But honestly, I didn't even think about the Iron Giant until, like – we were already kind of into it. And then I was like, Oh fuck, I'm very much iron Gianting." <laughs> um, I, I think of Alphonse from, uh, uh, from full metal alchemist a lot, which is like the younger brother, but he's this giant terrifying suit of armor. Um, and other than that, um, in a weird sort of way, um, like a lot of just like AIs, like, I like, like, like the female AI in X Mahina, um, I was I was thinking about like just creatures that are like I, I thinking about how do I how do I play a thing that exists in the world in such a way that it appears that it is thinking and interacting and having sort of like humanoid connections, but it's kind of unclear how much of that is programmed. Um, and then. Yeah. Uh, the, this idea of like, and then what happens when like the programming like starts to change a little bit? But yeah, yeah. Dark Souls uh, and and uh, Full Metal Alchemist were probably the two biggest, and then Iron Giant in hindsight is huge also. <laughs> a
1: little bit of Iron Giant just sprinkled on top. Always, yeah, of course, to make us all cry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Emily, how about you?
3: Uh, for harissa's personality uh i would say i took um uh, there was i joked but i was just like oh puss in boots from shrek um but <laughs> but also like um a little bit of kind of like a Zorro sprinkling and also like a um anigo montoya as well um a little bit of that for, for harissa but nothing quite as um flamboyant i wanted her to be a little bit spicy but not necessarily like um I don't know. I did. I did like the idea of her like, swinging from a chandelier at some point. So maybe that will happen when there <laughs> no, is a, when there is a chandelier no, to yeah. swing from. Yeah, yeah. Um, we're
1: all, yeah, all going to hear it in the audio when <laughs> Pat is making sure you know. Like, <laughs> and you guys enter a grand hallway, and there's a giant, giant chandelier. chandelier. Yeah,
5: uh,
1: and also some paintings on the side. <laughs> mm-hmm,
5: mm-hmm.
3: Um, but yes, I I liked that sort of um, just. A spicy sort of character and a little bit of kind of like flair um but i don't know whether that's come across completely but i always have them in my mind whenever i kind of like whenever i'm kind of like sitting in in harissa's head um, but I, like i said i think she's just kind of developed and evolved especially with sphinx now being this new addition into something yeah. that i don't really see seated in any kind of original inspiration anymore she's just kind of like taken on her own thing um i mean yeah I with, just... with
1: the whole like dragon drake warden thing it's really easy when you're creating a a, a drake warden to be like yeah it's gonna be like aragon or right. you know what the hundreds of other dragon riders how to
3: train your dragon sort of. how
1: thing. to train your dragon even you know uh ring wraiths and and mm-hmm. the Nazgul, and it's like yeah, you've got these crazy cool epic dragon stuff and then you're mm-hmm. like yeah or i could just have a muppet that's gonna follow <laughs> me around
3: yeah or we could just relive <laughs> mulan and it's fine um, Yeah, yeah um <laughs> so, there, there,
5: there.
3: yeah literally like i've got eddie murphy now by my side the whole time <laughs> so it's like shrek it's basically it's just shrek Um, so, yeah, uh, I think it was a little bit of that kind of, um, feeling very like, uh, Harissa is this kind of really ridiculous, um, knows what she's doing, very suave, even though she has no, like her charisma score is terrible, but she thinks she (laughs) has charisma. Um, yeah,
1: it's funny like, that yeah. you chose, you chose, um, you know, Zorro yeah, and yeah. Indigo Montoya and you have, like, no charisma. It's like, those Literally. are two of the most charismatic characters we've ever seen.
3: <laughs> which is why I love her so much. She thinks she's charismatic and... <laughs> no. And
0: then every um... time Isaac walks into the room. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, And then thinking she's really put together and this really kind of, like sure of herself person and then being accompanied now by this really like uh, this sidekick that is just who the hell knows what this is (laughs) like at this point so dealing with this very kind of like inept thing now after feeling like she's very accomplished is is very fun for me to deal with so um patrick how
1: how common are dragons in this world are they lore are Ooh. they myth are they creatures that people have seen
3: I'm, yes Patrick. i'm
0: i'm gonna be honest with the chief i'm on un, i unless if someone correct me in the chat here if i'm wrong i don't think we've mentioned dragons in this game so this More is dungeons. this could be True. Yeah. <laughs> this
1: broke. could That's be a wholly new character or creature within this world
0: you Plus, know outside will- of I, I do I do want to be very very clear uh because this actually does matter and it can get a little lost in the mechanics. Um from a lore perspective, Sphinx is not strictly speaking a dragon, right? Oh, okay.
3: um, he's a frilled lizard technically. And and so
0: we've we've kind of taken in the same way that we've taken Warforged and sort of reinterpreted it to be this this almost kind of gollum-like thing, we yeah. have taken um these familiars these these you know kind of lizard familiars um and interpreted them as you know kind of reinterpreted dragons right yeah um and 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 so if you're if your question then then we can kind of tease apart right like how how much how much are dragon dragons prevalent in this world i genuinely have no idea i haven't had (laughs) cause to reach for one yet so i do not know um i would imagine taking a note
2: for next session (laughs)
0: <laughs> very magical the very very magical dragons that we come to expect from d and d i don't actually think exist in this world um which then you know to try to answer your question like how how common are these lizard familiar spirit things um billion different ways that you could break that down but i think it's a i think it's a fair interpretation to say that they're that versions of them are actually extremely common and we've seen lots of them
1: bunch of lizards hmm lots of lizards yeah i mean like the geckos are everywhere and Mm
5: -hmm, mm -hmm. we
1: got uh a whole family line that has seen had these these lizards Uh, um but but they're they're different right there are a whole bunch Mm -hmm. of different ones and you know i made the joke back uh back when you guys first released the episode where the komodo dragon showed up komodo is an actual place on earth Mm -hmm. and that's why they're called komodo dragons. so i'm like Mm -hmm. you know there's a Komodo in this world. Uh,
5: there is now. <laughs>
1: there is now.
0: Yeah. Yep. Alternate universe. Yeah, uh, yeah. This is definitely just alternate. Put, it, just Earth.
6: put a Komodo. A Komodo Detroit
0: or something like that. Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually it's a it's like a neighborhood it's, in, it's a neighborhood in Agrivar, Uh and uh, don't go there. Don't, don't definitely don't go there. Um. So. I
1: think that it's important that uh, we discuss uh, before we get too far. um, We need to discuss what everybody's talking about. What Um, is
2: everybody talking about? What is everyone talking about? We're all we're all
1: wondering what's with the prosthetic
2: mustache.
5: (laughs) 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 all right all right i love this
0: i love this so much because i have i have an in-character answer that i i i have been waiting for someone to ask and they haven't yet um and i think i'm gonna try to save it for the actual show but there is an in-universe reason for the prosthetic mustache right like whiskers has a reason for why he does this he's not just a fully crazy person he's a little
2: bit of a crazy person um it's made more than vanity yes really Uh,
0: interesting uh, it's more nuanced than that anyway okay um so there's an in unit if you guys want to ask the question i will answer it on the show as whiskers because goddamn i've been waiting for it um
1: but Uh, you hear that listeners anybody who's like out there like tyler ask the fucking question that we're all wondering um it's It's going to come eventually, right? Like, don't ruin it. Don't ruin the surprise. Mm,
0: That said, I'm happy to answer how the fuck did I come up with a character for a prosthetic mustache? Hell yeah. Uh, Well, hold on. Prosthetic mustache is one thing. But you went a step
1: further when you're like, yeah, also, he's got like, he's got like uh he yep. a gauge thing yep. for piercings that help him with the prosthetic yes, mustache yes, yes. there was yes. it was one thing when it was just kind of hanging there but now yep. you've like turned it into an art form akin to an entire culture yep <laughs> <laughs> there are prosthetic beards
6: that you know you get the you get the little little piercings in your cheeks and then you just there are you know,
0: now hang it on there <laughs> so yeah. uh i needed um a camp cook for the first time that that they were kind of going to go out into into the into the western wields uh and i needed a camp cook because i fucking love a camp cook i've never had a camp cook character not hit right like not be one of the (laughs) best sleeper characters like you've got to have a camp cook um and so we, I had a gap for it. And this was, you know, this was before we had the Patreon, before we had, like, people suggesting names, which you could do if you go to our Patreon. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it was before we had, you know, kind of a Discord where people could suggest things as well. Um... And so I I, I kind of looked at the table, I said like, okay, well, who did I get a bunch of characters from for backstory, right? Like I have a ton of characters from Isaac's backstory, ton of characters in Rally that Isaac created, ton of characters in Rally that June created, um, a few characters in Rally that Harissa that either created or was responsible for, and a ton of other characters beyond that. Uh, cinder why yeah. have you not created any npcs for me right like you just said there, there was a big old empty space um and i said come up with a, an npc concept or an npc however much detail you want to flesh out And he came back to me and he said i want the following things i want this person to be well traveled easy enough i want this person to be superstitious okay and I want this person to aesthetically probably have like a prosthetic of some kind. And I'm sure that when Cinder opened his mouth, he was thinking like a leg, right? He wanted I a was
2: pirate. 100% thinking peg leg.
0: Yes. <laughs> And so, of course, I go off, and I'm like, Emily, what's the most obnoxious, ridiculous prosthetic that we can come up with? And we kicked around a couple of different things, um, or something, right?
3: Like, yeah, we kicked around, around a
0: couple of different things, and at some point, I, I, I said the phrase prosthetic facial hair, and then, then it just it tumbled out. I was like, he has yep. a prosthetic mustache. Uh, and Emily was like, Why does he have a prosthetic mustache? And then that's when I figured out the answer to that in fiction. Um,
3: and Although I have to say, I'm proud of coming up with the nose ring being the hook. Emily
0: that came was, up with the name. nose ring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That
3: was, that was um,
2: <laughs> It's so perfectly ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> it's so toxic. You did this toxic <laughs> behavior. <laughs> So toxic. It's just so fucking ridiculous.
0: Well, and I, like I, I kind of want to talk talk about how fucking ridiculous it is because this conversation, a lot of I know, I know you fucking know, a lot of this <laughs> conversation. Has been, hey, what are th- how how do you guys get into the heads of these very real characters and like how do you think about like their foibles and their traumas and their difficulties and their poor communication styles and the drama and the tension and the conflict that that creates, which is really fucking cool to listen to, right? Like it is the it is the the umph the art behind everything that we're doing here. It it you 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 can't let it get monotonous right yeah like sometimes you gotta throw a little dumb joke in there and and Spinx is a lot of this right but mm-hmm. even sphinx has a lot of uh very serious kind of thought put into him that is mm-hmm. very very important whiskers is just not that fucking deep yeah right <laughs> like he's he's a little bit of garfield the deals warlock in this universe right like he's just a silly little guy with silly little plans, and uh, are you, he's a lot of fun.
2: I don't little? believe you. I was going to say, <laughs> now that you're saying that, I feel like you are actually trying to set a tone here so that you can something really tragic happen and just melt like, <laughs> yeah. us. The, the, tra- <laughs> the most how tragic the characters distrusted. are the
1: ones you don't take seriously at yep. first.
2: See how
0: yeah. I am yeah. distrusted. You see how it goes. Uh, no, um, I'm with them. I get it. I'm a DM. <laughs> I know how it is.
1: Look at A.J. Coulson and the Avengers.
0: You're absolutely right. Uh, he's a joke uh, until he's dead. Yeah, and, yeah, and I, I think, I, but I think that that's like you got to have some of those tools, right? Like you've got to have some of those silly characters that you can then like put into danger, put into peril, um, and. And have them grow and kind of have them have some space to, to to sort of flex and become a more substantial part of the world. Big Paul was kind of this, right? Yeah. Like, I needed a big guy, and at the last, literally the last second, I decided to make him very intelligent and fairly refined for laughs, right? Yeah. And then... Now as we get to episode 8 and he has this very heartfelt conversation with June we're starting to learn a little bit about his sort of difficult backstories and so forth and like you know you've, you it's it's that contrast that's really important and that ridiculousness I think is really really valuable so like yeah. um yeah I think no, I, anytime it, I I can take a bite out of that apple I will
1: it's it's really it's honestly very true I I had a game um where I had a cook ironically at a at a diner that the characters would always go to and it was basically a a fantasy denny's um and (laughs) the fantasy denny's man that's good um and they had there's the server who was their biggest fan trevor and he's like this bro and the characters every after every mission they'd go sit down have some coffee and breakfast and they'd tell Trevor about it, and they'd figure out what they're going to do next, right? It's it's really great. It gives them a chance to reflect. Yeah. And he's this, this bro, like, bro, what did you guys do this last time, right? And it's really fun. And they got to know him. And the more they get to know him, the more they like him. Eventually, at the end of what we actually recorded, he had become basically like the the new defender of town when they go away. They, put, they trained him to do that and and so he was becoming more serious and they're never ever going to hear this because they don't listen to this show or or anything but yeah i had plans where the next time the next season of our of our gameplay was going to be um something was going to invade their hometown and trevor was going to defend against it alone and he wasn't going to survive and right before that happens, they're going to find out he was his wife was pregnant, and it was like going to be very my
0: uh, God, yeah! And I was like, oh, the man, more
1: I thought about this. it, the more I was like, oh my god, <laughs> I'm mean, being such an asshole for no reason. They love
3: this character. I was fully expecting you to say that he, you were prepping him to be the BBEG.
1: No, I think that's so cliche. I think taking yeah, someone you true. love and making them evil is, is probably cliche. probably why that was my oh, immediate no, just kill thought them off. off. Like, kill them off, and it's fine. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> make them have a pregnant wife, then murder them. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Yes.
1: yeah, it was, it was going to be sad on purpose. And so there is, a, there is a little bit of that when you're DM, just being able to just make people fall in love, just to rip mm. that carpet out from under them.
0: <laughs> Listen, I... I... Say, no, hold fifth. on,
6: Patrick. <laughs> you lay a finger on whiskers and you not <laughs> get a chance to I actually don't. rescue him yeah. yeah repercussions will
5: be
3: mercy no, <laughs> my my, my, my protection NPC is scrumpy Literally scrumpy never. ever if anything happens to scrumpy to have words.
0: <laughs> i mean great. stick around for episodes 9 10 etc uh oh, so arming happening. our friends
6: He's that don't he?
1: exist Joe Morph? Joe, yes. It's Joe Morph, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um it, you never like say it out loud until you have to say yeah, it out loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um he is the one that sent me a conspiracy theory that he has on mm-hmm, okay. whiskers and the prosthetic mustache and and he makes some really good points that I you know what? I'm I'm going to save them. Joe and I are going to we're going to work on this together. We're going to put together okay. our murder board. It might appear behind me one day yep. uh of what this is and then in show you can answer it and we'll know All whether right. we were right or not.
5: Oh yeah
1: um but he asks another question. He asks um uh in re fauna of rally we've seen hints of both Komodo and Madagascar. Hmm. Uh can we expect fauna inspired by other remote islands I'm guessing from Earth. Earthian remote islands that have made it to this world
0: yes
5: <laughs> <laughs> cool
1: next question good yeah. question joe thanks a lot for that <laughs> uh, <Very glad>. bye
0: <laughs> uh, 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 joe Morph does an amazing job of paying very close attention to all of the details that sort of get thrown in and um i think i think that uh both both he and and or kami have kind of noticed that i have this really interesting um uh this really deep interest in you know kind of niche creatures right like animals that are not sort of found all over the world uh you know that that have e- they inhabit these ecological niches that are not you know necessary that are easily filled by other more common things in you know north america europe asia what have you um the 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 you know sort of weasels and the the wolverines being you know kind of some of that as well um and i, I j- honestly i think it's just aesthetically interesting and i think it helps to take a very low magic setting and make it feel a little bit more fantastic right where it's like this is a world that is divergent from our own because these these creatures have filled these eco- these ecological niches in like a bigger way yeah. and that it's like a very low stakes low magic thing that you can do to make a world feel distinct from our own because for the love of god i don't want anyone to actually confuse this for earth it is not earth it should not look like earth uh disclaimer any any I'm pretty
2: sure i found. i'm pretty sure i found a pod uh, uh, what's it called an ipod uh, <laughs> by the gate
0: damn it i must have left it there
2: shit, <laughs> shit. it's not
1: it's gonna Careless. be like uh a- um you guys what was wait. the show downtown avenue that had the Starbucks cup in the background? Yeah,
2: right,
0: exactly.
5: Yeah.
1: Yes, yeah. yes, a hundred percent.
2: Did you guys know that in um in uh in the Mel Brooks movie Spaceballs, uh people kept leaving plat like styrofoam cups on the sets by accident, so they just incorporated it into the show and then into the movie, and you'll notice whenever they're drinking, everyone's drinking out of styrofoam cups, and it was just like a way to deal with how annoyed That's really people funny. were with leaving them around the set. <laughs> That's,
0: That's really, really funny.
2: funny. Yeah. That's really good. That
0: it's a good movie. And also, I if it's age well. I, I haven't seen it in like 10,
2: 10 years. years. It's, Mel Brooks I mean... definitely was, uh, he pushed the boundaries. So. Oh, I love Mel Brooks. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Blazing Saddles is one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, Blazing Saddles is good.
6: If good. I can watch Blazing movie. Saddles, I think Spaceball would be
2: fun. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah, yes. you'll enjoy it. Young Frankenstein, though.
1: That's the best one he's ever made. It's a very good one. I don't know if it's. Uh, anyway, story. weird, weird segue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> meant to say.
2: Now, uh, Orikami
1: asked this question at the top of the show, and I think we need to address it. Mm-hmm. Um How hot are they allowed to accidentally make Horky?
3: Accidentally. Accidentally. Not like on that. purpose. All right. Fuck but fuck like. It up. How- if power they're gonna accidentally the make
1: Porky hot, how hot can they make Porky? Piercings like, in the tusk. Like fuck it up, um, yeah, 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 yeah.
2: Like um, power lifter bod, dead no, tight pants, dad bod, hot tight Very little left to the imagination. Yeah,
3: I'm just—I don't know why I don't vascular is about me. I don't know what this says about me. I'm just imagining like the pyramid head physique, you know, like big boar head, and then just like the muscle, and then like a loincloth. That's why, if I could, why I'm kind of like, ooh, that's where I'm going with it. If I could use two words good.
2: to describe Porky, two adjectives. The first would be vascular. <laughs> okay. And the second okay. would be turgid. Mm. <laughs> baby boy. Did you look up the word turgid? No, I keep it. it in the back pocket because it's the one that hits everybody weird. <laughs> oh, wait, I'm looking Check that word up right now. It is, it is the Google word. It's a word for, for when. Fucks. <laughs> It's a word for when a thing becomes rigid through uh, from from no. being filled with liquid. Oh, it's usually related no. to plants. Oh, no. um, yeah. I learned it from Stanley Kubrick uh, from the movie uh, uh, Dr. Strangelove. One of the generals, his name is Turgidson. And it's to yes. represent how much of a literal penis he is.
3: I like that. <laughs> That's very good.
2: So, yes, he is <gasps> girthy
6: as Turgid. any artist yes. wants to make.
3: Yes. Uh, the thing is, to keep in mind
6: yeah what's up Craig my rule is rule 34 must be established and one of y'all amazing artists are gonna do it anyway so just you know <laughs> do it with your heart
0: I yeah, paywall it's fine we're behind a paywall <laughs> it's fine it's fine uh Gonna see yeah, I mean, we, not now. we might as well embrace the inevitability of the thing, right? Like we have, we have paying customers. This is definitely a thing that exists on the internet. It's a matter of time.
1: And now, <clears throat> maybe, maybe I wasn't listening very well. You know, Porky in my in my head was basically in my. I don't know why, but in my head, I see the the guy from uh, Demon Slayer, who's just human with a bore.
2: Mm-hmm. Head on. I imagine him too. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Is that is that what you have in your head, Patrick?
0: Uh I'm going to be honest. Uh two things are true about Porky. One, uh he canonically shapeshifts. Um Okay. So there's that. And then two, I I never really thought about what was under the robe, right? Like I do <laughs> I do envision him as being fully upright. Craig is aghast at that assertion. <laughs> um uh, he's he like it's, he he stands about as tall as a person he stands like a person i imagine him having like he, like hands with thumbs so that he could like hold hands? tools <laughs> right um uh but that's like the level of detail that i, I kind of pushed on that one because like i really don't need to know what's going on in the abs right like that's not really a, well, a salient maybe you don't <laughs> i don't what's wrong that. with you you all are welcome to your fantasies, is what I'm gonna say. Um, they're not my fantasies,
2: uh, but you are welcome to. Them. Porky, help! I'm stuck in this tree trunk.
6: <laughs> oh. oh, how did I get like this? Oh, oh no! no.
5: <laughs> I can't. I can't oh, move. No. I'm Sex literally lines. stuck.
2: Step swine, I'm logging Oh my off. god, Emily, first of all, I love you. Second of all, <laughs> I've been quiet for like a couple minutes because I was trying to think of how to incorporate the phrase stepbrother into the joke I was trying to make. Oh, and you yeah. hit the nail on the head. I love you. You're amazing. Oh,
5: That's so, amazing. so I'm
3: sickened and
2: I do it, come it, in occasionally.
3: Very impressed. Is-
6: <laughs> oh wow. god. Um, great question, Orikami.
1: Great
0: qu- Thanks, Orikami. question. Thanks. It's a good Wonderful. question. It's a good question. Orikami oh, did God. fuck it up. Like,
2: fuck the it up. The reason I say it's that
6: is because wasn't it Orikami that made all the back tats? Yeah, yes. she made them yeah.
2: hot. Yes. Yeah. Orikami that's is the reason what, the out there's any amount of thirst going on in this
0: mm-hmm, podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Un- <laughs> unclear about that exactly. I feel yeah. like a lot of people reacted to Big Paul, you all included.
3: Yeah, that's very true. <laughs> I think Craig reacted the most viscerally out of everyone. Craig
0: Craig did. Isaac (laughs) did. Yeah.
3: (laughs) Yeah, fair uh, distinction. Fair enough. Yes. Yes.
6: yes. You say a handsome, ball headed motherfucker. I'm like, hey, that's that's that's
1: true. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's always a weird thing to. to do a bare minimum description on somebody, and suddenly they're they're, they're a thirst trap for yep. everybody listening, and you're like, "I literally just
0: described bare minimum on this thing. My, my favorite thing is that for Big Paul specifically, that moment was not even at his description. I described him as being very big, you know, sort of muscular, Goliath man. And everybody was like, yeah, okay, that's the dramatic irony that we needed, right? Like mm-hmm. that, great, cool. It was when you and did then, the voice.
2: And yeah. then I did the voice. The voice mm-hmm. was good. The voice was really good. Everybody it was lost so their damn was so
6: <laughs> yep. I phrase, Yeah, I feel like I could tell him why I'm upset. And you'd yeah. understand why I was upset. You yeah. wouldn't go overboard in, into why <laughs> to fix my problem. You know yep. what I'm
0: saying? Yep. Absolutely. Basically, he's, he's, he's Tom
6: Hardy. He's, he's Tom Hardy, that. right?
1: Like, that's what we're all exactly. imagining. Am, am I the only exactly. one? Okay. No, I, I got there. I got I there. It. I see it. Oh, God. <laughs> oh man. Um, so Elderberry has another, another question um, on, let's go. and asks how much above table coordination goes on to making sure plot points are hit. And I I feel like this is a question that Pat and I have actually talked
0: about recently a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Um, It's, I would say it's, it's not, it's definitely not none. Right. And so like, if you're playing uh, a home game and you are kind of expecting to hit the like, levels of sort of audio drama like timing that we're kind of able to hit like there is communication that happens right it isn't i wouldn't say it's always over the table it's actually often back channel it's a it's a lot of i will have an individual conversation with one player who has a very specific thing that they want to do in mind and then it becomes my responsibility to set up that scene and that's something that i do in my home games i find it to be tremendously um uh validating for players when they get to really pull off that cool moment uh especially for the other people at the table um but uh it's it's also not a lot right like i would say there's maybe one of those moments every couple of
2: sessions probably every two or three um but those conversations and, feel really as a player, those conversations, even though those moments yeah. don't happen all the time, they feel important to have. Yeah, they're does, very important. It gives us the space to really push the boundary in terms mm. of like the storytelling and also to really feel like we are a part of the storytelling.
3: Yes. I also feel like they happen more between players
2: yeah mm-hmm. that's true um, you guys seem will, like motherfuckers with each other saying oh, yeah. right
3: we need to have this moment let's let's yeah. figure out how we can make this happen in the yeah. next episode.
2: there's like one or two things that i am i want to have happen so much and i have to be patient about them and i have spoken to i've i had to speak to a bunch of people about them because it would not be kind to my co-players to spring it upon them
6: yeah 100 uh, i get messages from these fucks Saying, hey, you know, it'd be great to traumatize Isaac even more,
0: and I'm like, yeah, let's do it. That actually sounds amazing. I'm, I'm so down for it. I'm here. I'm um, but yeah, and I would also say that it's it it tends to be stuff that's more directional than a very specific moment. Sometimes it's a very specific moment, but um, uh, you know, for example, Isaac's plan to uh, you know, potentially engage um. We uh, yeah, were on the I, phone for a minute for that one. Yeah, we, uh, the, the, to potentially engage, uh, to potentially engage Agavar, uh was the result of a, a, a you know kind of a prolonged discussion. We didn't exactly figure out how he wanted to do it, or certainly whether or not it was going to work. But like, we did have that sort of back channel conversation about like, hey, like this is what the player wants. Uh, you know, this is what the character, this is what the player thinks the character should do. How does the DM? establish an environment so that that can realistically happen, right? Um, and I, I think that, you know, those conversations are really valuable because they, they they, to Cinder's point, you know, nail on the head, they help make the players part of the the, the story crafting in a way that players can often feel left out of. And yeah. it, that that's what makes this medium different, is mm-hmm. the ability for the players of the game to actually author some of their own story.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's it's incredibly cool, and it's really fun when it's it's implemented well, where there's still a level of improv and um, like w- let's see how this goes. But being able to have the conversation with your your players and between players, <clears throat> especially for a podcast, is really important because you guys are telling a, a story more than just playing a game. You're using the game as a mechanic to tell the story. Um, And that's ultimately, you know, nobody talks about the Adventure Zone and goes, man, I love the way that they played that game. It's like, no, it's always I love the story that they told. I love Mm -hmm. the beats that they hit in that story. It's it's and a part. They are a part of that experience and part of that is being able to have moments where you guys can have fun and you know mess with each other or break away and and it's like oh right we're all at a table we're all just here having fun um and that what's that's what keeps people coming back and engaged um so there's it's this crazy idea i think that's why people are so drawn to this medium so much why there's thousands of D and D podcasts because you guys get to tell a story. You get to let people in behind that, that veil a little bit. Um, And it's fun to do right. And it's fun to listen to. So I think it's really cool that you guys are able to sit down and talk as a group and, and allow these natural things to happen, but know and trust each other enough Uh, because of those conversations i think it's really cool yeah
0: Mm -hmm. um and it is i mean it's a tremendous amount of fun uh for us we have an absolute blast doing it and you know i think you hit the nail on the head that it is that sense of fun that kind of keeps people coming back for more uh and on that note Uh, We are going to be wrapping this up, uh, our first kind of new form in rebalancing. I want to thank everybody, all our patrons who came out to watch us tonight.
2: You are all absolutely beautiful. And big thank you for Tyler for hopping in.
5: Yes,
6: Tyler. Tyler! Greatest host of all time.
0: Thank you all for coming. Thank you for watching this episode of Rebalancing. Be sure to catch the next episode of Unbalancing Counters coming to a podcast app near you. Have a great night, everybody! Oh, Bye! Bye. I love
5: you! Bye. See you
2: next time.
5: Uh...